Amen. As I've said all along that we were very intentional about the speakers, Seren and Litsona, that we're going to have here at this Word Explosion Conference. It's people that, by the grace of God, we have walked with for many, many years of these 40 years. And people that we are connected to, we believe in covenant in our hearts. And uh, it's people from locally, people from the continent as well. Our next speaker stands as a beacon of faith and inspiration in the realm of spirituality. He holds the esteemed position of being a presiding bishop over the far region, reaching congregations of living water and restoration Bible churches, casting a divine light across the world. He is also a sought-after luminary. He graces international conferences with wisdom and insight, leaving audiences enriched and enlightened. Bishop Noaka's literary contributions have touched the hearts of many with profound works, including invading the Babylonian system, the mystery of the altar, and many other books. In the sacred bond of matrimony, he is the devoted husband of Bibiana Mwanza Noaka, who uh, uh, will be joining us tomorrow, uh, Mama Bibiana. A partnership anchored in faith and love, as a father has been blessed with the gift of four daughters and the joy of seven beloved grandchildren. Within the spiritual landscape of Kitwe, Zambia, Bishop Nwaka serves as the senior pastor of the prophetic powerhouse, guiding souls towards spiritual awakening and growth. With a remarkable journey that spans 38 years in ministry, ministry of the New Testament, in his unwavering dedication to the divine calling. He operates in the realm of the prophetic apostolic calling. His life's work alone is a testimony to the transformative power of faith, love, and devotion to the divine. In early 90s, I was, I was preaching in Cameroon, and I got to, in the conference, there was this man who came and preached that I really fell in love with, preaching powerfully, Bible-based preaching, preaching centered on the cross, and I really, really loved this man. And it was Bishop Nwaka, and then we connected at the time, and uh, we exchanged, not numbers then, we didn't have cell phones, but addresses <laughs> and telephone numbers. And for some reason, we just never kept up the contact. We just couldn't contact each other. Until several years later, uh, my bishop and I were invited by, uh, uh, in, 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 uh, in Malawi by, can uh, bishop Bishop Bewe, uh, whom, by the way, we should have, you know, we'll talk, but Bishop Mbewe, and we had gone to Bishop Mbewe to go and preach there. And lo and behold, our dear brother was there after having seen each other for many years. And, and, I, and I remember, that's where he preached the sermon of uh, restoring the altar. And I remember the message he was preaching. He preached such a powerful message about the restoration of the altar that when he made the altar call, I was, I was among the first people who went to the front. I said, I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I was a pastor then. I know I'm a pastor, Mara. I'm going to the front. So because I didn't look around, you know, here I'm kneeling, I'm praying, and I'm not just praying, I'm crying. I hear another voice next to me. That sounds like the preacher's voice. So, you know, Jesus said, watch and pray. So I opened one eye, and I was praying this side to look, behold, the very guest speaker who was speaking, 
answered his own altar call. And we were praying together and crying and everything. And in that uh, journey visit, rather, we all connected with him, my wife and I, and connected with him as we, and his family. We've been to many events of his family, many things that have happened in the family, in the church. He's been the same here. He's a real brother and someone that we love. He's also a friend with Bishop Chalo. You know, the three of us are like the brothers, you know. One from Zambia, one from South Africa, and one from uh, 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 Birking. Hello? I'm tired now. You say, I can't think. Congo, DRC Congo. So we're really great friends. God really uses this man very mightily. And he said to me, if I didn't invite him for, to preach here, he would still come anyhow to celebrate with us. Because you can note there are 38 years in his ministry. He was telling me in the back that he has come not only to preach but to copy. He wants to do the same thing two years later when they celebrate their 40th anniversary. It's great to have friends like this. I love you, my brother. Come and share God's word. Let's give a big hand, Bazalana, to the servant of God. Come on. Bishop Bernard Noka. Uh, Bazalana, don't get offended when he says to you, sit down. You know, he does those kinds of things, but we love you, Bishop. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being a friend, my thank brother. You. And thank you for being true to the word Amen. and faithful to the word with everything that has happened Amen. in your life. Amen. Yeah, one more time, Bazal. Let's give this man a big Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> yeah. Um, who is having my books? I get them out of the way. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. I, I, I would like to... Uh, it, it's, an, it's an emotional event um, because uh, you look back where you have come from. And uh, as I look at um, the ministry of uh, our brother, my brother, my covenant brother, together with my sister... 40 years, the battles and the victories and um, the breakthroughs, we can just say the faithfulness of God. Uh, we are very, very grateful to God. So it's, we are celebrating, but in the celebration, sometimes it becomes emotional. Yeah, so happy 40th anniversary, my brother and my sister. Amen, amen, amen. I was telling him that uh, uh, preaching is a bonus, but we just came to celebrate. Even if I wasn't going to be preaching, I told him right from the beginning that my brother, if you don't invite me, I'll just come and sit there uh, because no one will chase me away. <laughs> we love you so much from Living Water and my wife will be joining us. Amen. And um, I thank God for the men of God who have already gone ahead and the great things that have happened from the beginning. And um, uh, also the apostle Elijah, I was just following. I was following. It was just awesome. It's nice when fathers speak. Amen. Let's give it up to God when fathers speak. 
let me get these books out of the way. Um, I've come with uh, some of the books that I've written. Um, the fishnet was a string that is uh, the strength and the importance in networking because that's what God is doing. It's a network. I encourage you to get these books. They will be a blessing to you. And um, your troops will be willing in the day of your power. That is the mystery of the priesthood and the altar. The one he's been talking about, a must. I really encourage you to get this book. And um, understanding the prophetic, especially now, it's a mess. This book will be a blessing to you. Invading the Babylonian system. <laughs> this book will surely be a blessing to you. I don't have time to talk about books. The challenges of the righteous in the corridors of power. It's one thing to get into power, but the challenges. It will be a blessing. Um, wisdom nuggets for influence and impact in leadership. The inspirations God has been giving me uh, there will be a blessing to you. The power of the announcement. And uh, finally, church growth and management. So um, these are some of the books I came with. Quite few compared to the numbers today and tomorrow. So you can help yourself. Thank you very much. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you. We stand here, Lord, in awe and reverence because of what you have done. Father, this 40th anniversary, we are focused on you because you are the Alpha and the Omega. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. And that's why we have come to thank you for what you have done. And yet, you are saying you are doing a new thing. So we thank you for what you have done and we also thank you for what you are about to do. And that's why we are here. We give you the glory and honor. Help me, Lord, as I build on what you have already done and the great men and women who have spoken. And we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the theme which every man of God, <clears throat> woman of God, has dwelt on, which God has given to the man of God, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And because God is doing a new thing, we shouldn't dwell in the past. 
We are going to learn, we are going to pick up some lessons from the past. But we are looking ahead uh, where God is taking us. So we thank God for the past because without the past, we wouldn't be where we are. And we wouldn't be what we are. And uh, God has used the past. We are the sum total of what we have gone through, what we have learned. And uh, even the battles we have fought, even the mistakes that we have made, everything, God has used it uh, to make us what we are today. And uh, I would like to also thank God for the, the pastors, the brothers and sisters, the key leaders who have stood together with Mr. and Mrs., the servants of God, the sonors, and all of you congregation. Shall we put our hands together and thank God? Amen. And I know, other, <clears throat> I know others came in and others left. But we thank God for everyone who played this part. And we thank God for you are here. You are here because God is about to do a new thing. Amen. I've been praying on a serious note uh, to get a word from the Lord for the 40th anniversary. And um, this is what I want to share with you. And my message is, what next? <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, neighbor, what next? We thank God for what he has done. We thank God for what we have accomplished. We thank God for what we have gone through. But what next? Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26 and reading verse 17 to 18. Isaiah 26 reading verse 17 to 18 and the Bible reads as a pregnant woman <clears throat> about to give birth tell somebody you are about to give birth Reads and cries out in pain. So we are we in your presence, Lord. So we were in your presence, O oh Lord. And he tries to explain it, describe it. And he says, uh, just as a woman about to give birth, reads and cries out in pain. That's how we were in your presence. Why? Because we are about to give birth to something. And I believe God has done great things. 
And I believe the 40th that we have gone through, the servant of God has gone through, he has a, it was the first phase. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor the first phase. But now God is bringing him and his wife, God is bringing this ministry to a second phase. And that's what I would like to share on what next. As a woman reaches and cries out in her pain. So we were in your praises, Lord. We were with child. We reached in, in labor. We were with the child. We reached in labor. But we gave birth to wind. So we thought we had a child. Excited, we thought we had a child. But when time came to give birth, we gave birth to wind. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what are you carrying? Are you carrying nations or winds? And look at what he says. We give birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. Jesus. And the people of the world have not come to life. And that's what I'm sharing on. Ladies and gentlemen. We need to break the cage. We need to break the church. The church is caged. We are a Sunday church in four walls. We are caged in what to address. We are even caged what to talk about. We talk about salvation, but not governance. We talk about salvation, but not about the economy of the nation. We talk about salvation, but not about morals. We are caged. We talk about salvation, but not about the things that are affecting us and affecting the nation. We are caged in how far our influence can go. We are caged in our geographical positioning. And the scripture that we read says we have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not brought salvation to the earth, to the nation. We have preached to individuals. But now God wants us to transform the nation. We have raised church members, but now God wants us to raise kingdom people. We need to transform church members into kingdom people. We have thousands of church members all over the nation and the nations. 
But we are very few people who are kingdom minded. We have thousands saved. But now let them take their God ordained positions as heads where God has planted them. We have changed leaders in our nations through elections, but we have not uprooted demonic systems that controls whoever leads. We have sent the believers in the world. Now it's time to equip them so that their allegiance will be to God and so that they can stand against every opposition. Second Corinthians chapter 10, Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 15 to 16. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone's territory. Take note of the words, our sphere of influence or our area of activity, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. What next? What next? I believe this is the time that God is calling the servants of God and calling the church to possess the nation through sons and daughters planted in strategic places and positions. I'll repeat. Possessing the nation through sons and daughters planted in strategic places and positions. Psalm 103 verse 13. God has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The kingdom of God rules over all. So you cannot confine the kingdom of God to a church on Sunday. So God is about to take you out of the four walls. Isaiah 33 and verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. That is the judicially. The Lord is our lawgiver. That is the parliament. The Lord is our king. That is the executive. He will serve us. God wants us to affect the judicially. He wants us to affect the parliament. And he wants us to affect the executive. 
ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the problem we have had is we have preached to the system and you cannot save the system by preaching the to the system. You cannot transform it. You cannot change it. So you cannot change the system outside the system. You can only change the system inside the system. And I believe this is a time that God, through his servant and servants, will begin to train the Daniels, to train the Deborahs, to train the Esthers, and to strategically plant them in the systems. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a time that God will transform the nation. It is no time to cry about corruption. It is no time to cry about the evils and all the human rights which have now become everything that has become a human right. No, no, no. It is no time to preach to them. It is time to enter the system and change the system. We are not going to enter there as of, as fathers, as preachers, but our sons, you are the lights, you are the sword. Ladies and gentlemen, in Luke chapter 9 verse 2, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Our message is the kingdom. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an error under the sun. The wicked to rule and the righteous to follow. It's an error. I say it is an error. When they are formulating or working on the constitution or working on the laws which will affect us, affect our children, affect our grandchildren. Where are the believers? Where are the believers? We have prayed. We have fasted. We have done well. But we will not change the system as long as you are out, this, out of the system. And I'm going to give you scripture. My bishop, you are entering a realm and a phase that is critical 
not only to South Africa, but to Africa and the nations of the world. And God wants you to do something here that will be a model to other nations. God is leading you and sending you into a radical mode. As I was praying, preparing myself for this, and I, I saw what is coming, and I said, Lord, you have raised this church. This church is a praying church. Men and women, they love to pray. They are consistent to pray. But I pray, almighty God, take them into another phase of prayer. Because the world is going to get hot. It's going to intensify. Because I saw the resistance, I saw the opposition, I saw the counter-attack from the enemy trying to silence the apostolic and prophetic voice. But I came to tell you, it shall not happen and it shall not take place. Number one, as believers in South Africa or in any nation, you are children of God. You are born again. That's number one. Number two, you are a citizen of the nation. So you have a voice as a child of God, and you also have a voice as a citizen. There are certain things that we cannot allow. If they want to stop the church, then we say, fine. I'm now speaking as a citizen. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? Now you cannot change systems. And many times we think we can change the nation by changing presidents. I'll tell you, <laughs> can I say something? The systems are more powerful than a good president. Even when a good president comes in, you know what's going to happen? He will find systems. He may come with great good ideas, but those systems will empower him if he's not really called by God to change and up. That's why God says to Jeremiah, I have called you and I've set you as a prophet over what? Nations. To do what? To uproot. To do what? To tear down. And then after you have done that, to do what? To plant and to build. So you cannot plant, you cannot build before you tear down. Before you destroy. Now, the devil will not be watching you tear down without a fight. What did God tell Gideon? Destroy your father's altar first. And you know that was a fight. 
They rose up, they wanted. Who did this? I, I, I came to ask this question. Grace, are you ready for a fight? No, 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 no. I, I don't know if you're listening. Are you ready for a fight? Because God is taking you to another level. A level of tearing down. A level of uprooting systems. Which have been, no one has dared touch them. Daniel chapter 1 verse 6 to 7. Daniel chapter 1 verse 6 to 7 when God wanted to change the Babylonian system you know what he did he planted four men there Daniel Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego you can only change the system within the system it's not enough just to say I am born again I can change the system it's not enough you must be equipped you must be trained you must be that material that will not compromise you must be that material that pledges first allegiance to God ladies and gentlemen we have Christians in all these political parties, we have them. We have them. But the problem we have is that they are more loyal to their party than to Christ. They are more loyal to, to their party than to the word of God. They dare not disagree with certain policies which are anti-Christ. I'm not talking about such. Such we have. Such are plenty. But I'm talking about Daniel, who said, I will not bow. I'm talking about Meshach and Abednego, who said, we are not going to bow. I'm talking about Esther, who said, if I live, I live. If I perish, I perish. Those are very few in the system. We want voices in each and every party. Voices of Christ. Believers. We want them in every party. Who will say, we cannot adopt this. We cannot go in this direction and give reasons. There is no way they are making laws which are against the word of God. And believers are not there. And when the laws are made... When now it's an act of parliament or the constitution has been changed, that's when we begin to pray. Lord, we bind, we bind. What are you binding? Where were you? Why 
does Jesus say, you are the light? What does it mean? Light shines better where there is darkness. Why does he say you are the salt? Salt tests where there is no test. Salt is appreciated where there is no test. And what does God mean? Why does God say you are going to be the heads and not the tails? It is not for pride sect. It is for decisions and influence. What kind of nation are we going to leave to our children and our children's children? Ladies and gentlemen, he planted Daniel Mishik. He planted Daniel Shadrach Mishik and Abednego. In Esther chapter 4 verse 14, and who knows but that you have come to your raw position for such a time as this so that the nation of Israel does not perish that is carrying God's agenda. Esther 5.13 Esther 5.13 Yet none of this satisfies me. That is Haman speaking. I have wealth. I have favor before the king. Esther 5.13 Yet none of this satisfies me as long as I see Mordecai, that Jew sitting at the king's gate. Do you know that the demonic kingdom the people of the world, they are not happy to see the righteous strategically positioned. He says, I hate it, that's Haman. I'm not happy as long as I see that believer sitting at the gates next to the president. Do you know the, the system works in such a way that it's not easy to access the people in power. And they surround themselves with people who, whose allegiance is to the devil. Yes. Sometimes the president or people in power may desire to reach out to the prophets and to the apostles, but the people around them, they will make it very difficult. Why? Because they have an agenda. And they they safeguard that agenda. Things will never change as long as we are watching. They will never change. I believe one of the assignments and major assignment God is giving to the man of God is for the national transformation in every area. I know you haven't heard me say that, says the Lord. But that's how I teach. That's how I bring the word prophetically. This is a prophetic word God has given me to this church. 
I don't know whether I should apologize for bringing a heavy word. Because we are supposed to be dancing and jumping. We thank God for what he has accomplished. We thank God from where we are coming from. But as we are looking ahead where we are going. Churches will continue to multiply. Believers will continue to grow and win other souls. But we are looking at how do we transform our nations. Ladies and gentlemen, there is power in planting. And I will end with this chapter. Let's read Matthew. We are reading Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Reading from verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. In his field. But while everyone was sleeping, just like the way the church is sleeping. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. We are sleeping. You are sleeping in your own nation. When Lucifer is planting weeds in strategic places of influence. Who will determine the direction and how your children will become? You are sleeping. Because you are not involved. Why are you not involved? Because they have framed your mind. How have they framed your mind? They have said politics are dirty. So the church should not get involved in politics. I accept politics are dirty because dirty people are in politics. No one should silence the church. No one. No one. We shouldn't be fearful when we speak. Because number one, we are Christians. Number two, we are citizens. We can speak as believers and we can act as citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, they say politics are dirty. 
don't involve church and uh, politics. Nonsense. That's just nonsense. Because you must define to me what is politics. It's all about taking care of people. Making sure they are food. Making sure they are healthy. Making sure they are protected. There is security. That's politics. And you are saying I shouldn't get involved. Okay. If you don't want me to get involved, then I'll get involved as a citizen. Because I'm a Christian who is a citizen. So what does Jesus say? I was hungry. You fed me. The minister of agriculture. I was sick. You took me to hospital. Visited me. Minister of health. I was naked. You clothed me. Ministry of community and social welfare. I was thirsty. And you gave me water. Ministry of water affairs. I was in prison and you paid me a visit. Minister of correction or home affairs, whatever you call it. I had no shelter. You gave me shelter. What is that? I can go on and go on. My bishop, my bishop, this will be the basis of separating the sheep from the goats. When I was hungry, you fed me. And we shall say, Jesus, where did we see you hungry? And the Lord says, when you did to those. It is our responsibility as a church to be relevant. I know we are busy preparing people to go to heaven. Yes, they are going. Yes, we are going. But Jesus also said, pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in South Africa, in Africa, as it is in heaven. Before we go to heaven, we are here. Let no one silence the voice of the church in Africa or in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, while the church, while the enemy while everyone was sleeping, verse 25, his enemy came, sowed wheat among the wheat, and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And our enemy did this. He replied, the servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the wheat, you may uproot the wheat with them. 
when the devil plants weeds in the church because he can when the devil plants weeds in the leadership because he can when the devil plants weeds in the praise team because he can when the devil plants weeds in the church because he can it is very difficult because what happens sometimes God gives revelation to the pastor God gives insight to the woman of God say this one is a weed she may be a freemason or satanist or evil agenda it's not easy to uproot him do you know why because the weeds their roots they go down and they tie the roots of the genuine plants so when you uproot one you uproot 20 genuine ones so that's why Jesus says for now let them grow together so that what I know it will be evident even to other leaders even to other members to see what I already know Because if you don't, you can approach two, three, four, provided you are ready. Fifty, hundred are also going. It's okay if you're ready. Do you know this? That at the inception of every human institution are the seeds of its own destruction. So it was at inception when they were planting that the weeds were there. Things that will destroy the church are not in the future. They are already with us here. The one who betrayed Jesus did not come in the future. He was already with Christ from the beginning. But the beauty with Christ, he knew the people he was dealing with but for us we don't we commit ourselves and give ourselves to wrong people look at this I'm more interested in the interpretation and I'll close my brother knows I don't preach to finish because I've never finished before I just stop Let's look at verse 37. This parable affected the apostles and they wanted the interpretation. And that's the one I'm bringing to you. Because you don't build doctrine on good feelings or good emotions. You don't build doctrine on one verse. Let scripture interpret scripture. Matthew 13 verse 37 from verse 36 then he left the crowd and went into the house his disciples came to him and said explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field <laughs> hallelujah these were good students 
They did not want insight, revelation to pass them by. Explain. Explain. One of the things I enjoy when I'm having fellowship with my brother and his wife, and sometimes I'm eating with his wife, my sister. My sister, she's very investigative. She will ask you questions from scripture. She's got a searching heart, searching mind. God will not just give people who do not have a searching heart. So they came, explained to us. Verse 37, look at this. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So in other words, the one who plants, the subject is the power of planting. The one who plants is Jesus, the son of man. Okay, okay, we are getting there. Because it's from this that I understood we cannot save the nation and the nations of the world just by preaching without planting. You will see it. Verse, then it says, 38, the field where the seeds were being planted is the world. It is South Africa. And it does not say the church. So God does not plant good seed in the church. He plants good seed in the world. Let's move, let's move, let's move. The field is the world and the good stand, the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So what is the seed? Talk to me. What is the seed? The good seed. What is it? Now we are reading together. We are reading together. Talk to me. Talk to me. What is the seed? The field is the world. The good seed stands for what? The people of the kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a seed. And you are a good seed. Say it with an attitude. You are a seed. Tell him, tell her, you are not a weed. You are a seed. Preach to the other one. A seed is to be planted. And who plants good seed? Who plants good seed? Jesus. Shout with me. Who plants good seed? Jesus. Let's move on. Verse 39. So it says, people of the kingdom, not church members. People of the kingdom, not church members. Because I have a problem with church members. In my church, not here. Look at this, verse 39. And the enemy who sows, okay, the weeds, verse 38, the weeds are the people of the, of the evil one, the weeds now, the weeds. What are the weeds? The people of the evil one. 
who is the devil. So the devil is what? Also a plant, a planter. Ah, uh, now we are, we, are, we are going somewhere. We are going somewhere. We are going somewhere. The weeds are the people of the evil one. Verse 39. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. So, so we have two planters here. We have the son of man, Jesus, and we have the devil. So that we have two planters, those who sow. Number two, we have been taught. The field where they plant both of them, Jesus and the devil, is the world. And we are also taught, Jesus has in his hands good seed. And the devil has what? Weeds. We have also been taught that the devil plants when the church is sleeping. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I'm not just talking to South Africa. I'm talking to the nations of the world. If we want this nation of South Africa, Zambia, Tanzania, all over the world to be transformed, let's look at strategic positions in our nations and who occupies them. Without being judgmental, we can be analytical without being judgmental. I want to ask, when we go to parliament, the judiciary, who are there, the majority? Answer in your own, in your own heart. When we go to those who are controlling the economy of this nation, who are they? Seed or good seed or weed? This time I don't want you to shout. This time I want you to answer just in your heart. When we get to the executive cabinet, who are there? Seed or weed? When we go to our judges, because those are the people who interpret the law, and certain laws can enter through the judiciary. Are they good seed? Because don't forget that the people of the kingdom of darkness, their first allegiance is to Lucifer. Second to the nation. They will push their agenda. They will sugarcoat it and call it different names. But they are pushing it. But who is pushing the agenda of Christ on the national level? I'm talking of national transformation. 
You and I are very good when it comes to re reacting when things have already been done. We are like fire brigades that goes to extinguish fire. But listen. When we talk of the world, the field, some of you are in politics. Some of you, God will plant you in politics. Some of you, God will plant you in governance. Some of you, God will plant you in business. Some of you, God will plant you in sports. Some of you in, the, in entertainment will plant you in education. Some of you in the judiciary. Some of you in health. All of us, wherever we are, we are the ambassador of our Lord Jesus Christ. The pulpit God has given you is where he has planted you. Not all of you will come to this place and preach. The question I want to ask you is, are you ready to be planted? I have one of my sons here. He came with me. Professor Kabila, where are you? Stand up. Come here, come here, quickly, quickly, quickly. Come. I didn't plan this. Uh, get a microphone. I didn't tell him, I didn't plan, it was not in my thought, it has just come. I just want to interview you in one minute or two. I'm not a journalist, but I can do all things in Christ Jesus. What are your names? Gabila Nubongfotu. What is your profession? I'm an economist. You're an economist? Yeah. Where are you working? Where are you lecturing? Uh, I'm an prof associate professor at the School of Economics in the Northwest University in Pochestrum. Okay. And what are you doing for the Lord there? Uh, my wife and I, we're running a student ministry called Christ Youth and Student Movement. So we're preaching the gospel on campus. You came to this conference to come and celebrate with my, my bishop, my covenant brother, to come and hear your father speak. Did you come with some of the students? Yes, I came with about six or seven of the students. Where are they? Where are you? Stand up. They're at the back. Just stand. There they are. Okay, they're at the back outside. Back and waving. I can see them waving. Yeah. Please, hand over your microphone. We don't have enough time. You can go and sit down. You should hear this man preach. Jesus. He came to the gathering of sons last year at our conference in the church. And I gave him 40 minutes to speak. We had the leaders gathering. It was awesome. He brought the word from a different level. Intellectual, spiritual, everything combined such that nobody, somebody has just to be born again. Yeah. 
What am I saying? He is planted there and is getting students saved, born again. Now some of you are doctors. You are planted there. You see people that uh, my bishop can never see, can never access. Some of you are judges, you are lawyers. But the problem is you look at your profession as a means of getting an income only. My bishop, I'm closing, but I've got a burden. If our people, God's people, can understand that they are ambassadors, they are witnesses where God has planted them. There will be moments, my bishop, where we gather, just at grace, we gather lawyers, those who are just in the judiciary, even if they are 50 or 40 or 30, we train them. We empower them how they can stand for Jesus in the courts. There will be times we gather those who are lecturers in colleges, universities, teachers, and tell them God's mandates, how they can use their influence for Christ. I know laws are now coming whereby we are being taught we cannot preach in schools. But in Zambia, it's not yet there. But if it's here, we shall pray that it's uprooted. I said, if we shall gather the nurses and the doctors because the battles they fight and the things they go through and we shall also gather politicians from different parties. We are above partisan politics. A man of God should never say, I belong to this party. We are above that. So we will gather all of you regardless of where you are coming. And we will teach you the word of God. We will gather those who are in government. And we may not be the ones teaching. We will teach, but we will also bring others God has raised. Like Kabila. To speak to the fellow lecturers and to discuss their challenges and those who are in business. I was preaching somewhere and the things, I will not tell you where, and I began to hear of some people. They began to tell me, somebody began to give me knowledge, insight, if you like, intelligence of some of the people that are governing our nations, including South Africa. I was shocked to see what is behind the curtains. I'll just end there. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling you as a Daniel. He's calling you as a Mordecai. He's calling you as an Esther. Stand to your feet.
said your neighbor, neighbor, what next? About your life. And the pastors we have raised are just good for the four walls. They are just good for Sunday. And they are not relevant. And the nation is crying. Let us pray. Begin to pray in tongues. Begin to pray in the spirit. Quickly, quickly pray in the spirit. Just pray in tongues. Just pray in tongues. Pray, pray, pray. Pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. But I pray that in this phase that you are entering and you have entered, I pray that you will be a minister. Everyone will be a minister wherever you are planted. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. You will be that Daniel. You will be that Mordecai. You will be that Esther. And I pray that the church will wake up from slumber. Know why God has planted you there. Know why God has put you there. It is for the sake of the kingdom. You are the light. You are the sword. God is depending on you. Those students who do not know Jesus in that class, the Holy Spirit is saying, there is an ambassador in that class. You are the light. God will give you wisdom on how you can stand for Christ. You are in that party for a purpose. You are in that institution for a purpose. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Bless the Lord. Just listen to this, Maestro, just before we, we close. The reality of what we heard today is that it really is a struggle and a challenge for all of us as the body of Christ around the world. And it's true what Bishop Nwaka said. It's just a message for us here. It's for the rest of the world where I think what has happened to us as the Church of Jesus Christ, we don't understand strategic positioning because many of the other religions are very strategic and intentional in taking over they 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 they, they I won't I won't I won't name any but one of the strategies like they can come to a community and just start buying houses there and they buy out several houses and soon the whole community is saturated by them. 
then they start doing more and more things. They, they establish a presence. They get planted. And uh, the principle of planting is a very important one. And what I'm thankful for is that as much as these messages might not be easy to listen to, okay, there weren't as many amens as I'm used to. <laughs> but they're real messages. And we should, cor we should correct ourselves as the body of Christ. Around the world, anywhere you go around the world. However, we never lose the foundation of preaching the gospel. Because the, 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 it's the gospel that changes lives. It's the gospel that gets people to heaven. Heaven is the most important thing for us as Christians. Remember that. The, the preaching of the gospel and getting people to go to heaven is what no other religion can offer. And that's what makes the difference in eternity because when it comes to eternity, the issue of whether you are saved or not is the most important thing. And when all of you understand that wherever you are, you know, when we were preaching, uh, Dr. Naoka, I was thinking about our dear brother Maurice Khadebe here, who is doing exactly what we're talking about. He's, a, he's an academic, a leader. He's very much into leadership and many other things, and he's operating fully as a child of God in those areas. And, of course, there's many others in the place here who are operating in the same way. I think what God is trying to say to us, Barcelona, and we have here Kio Mlungis, one of our uh, sons in the house. He's uh, now uh, operating in the space of uh, uh, the computer sciences and he's educating people online and everything. He got an award just last year, an international award for doing that. He's got lots of followers on his channel. There is one of our pastors. So the thing is this, Barcelona, what, what, what I'm trying to say is that this is an important message because as Christians, we shouldn't stop praying. We must never underplay prayer. We must pray because what we do must be empowered by prayer. You understand? But then you must understand when you are placed in the different places you are planted. And the point you made about the systems, because sometimes you can come in as a Christian, but you must comply to the systems. But if, when the systems were designed, if we were not there, to influence what's being done, it becomes a problem. It's a very, very serious message. And I understand the amens were far and few. But this is a destiny-changing message for the whole world. The whole world. Let me say this. Wait a minute. If you look at Europe right now, countries that used to send missionaries out, eh? countries that used to send missionaries in the hundreds, whose even constitutions were God-centered, how they have changed now. I mean, I cried when I was in one of the countries in Europe and you see church buildings being sold, used as taverns, hotels. This is a place where some of, I won't, don't want to name it, some of the greatest missionaries we read about came from those countries. But the Christians went to bed, they slept. And uh, the Christians slept. We, they forgot that there are people on a mission. We are soldiers of the kingdom and we must forever be aware. Much as we may struggle with what we've heard, we have to grapple with that truth and, 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 and make sure it becomes a practical truth. If our next phase, our chapter two of this church is for us to focus on that, remember, we don't take away preaching, we don't take away praying, we don't say planting church is not there, we're not saying preaching is useless because if you say that, then you don't understand God. Jesus came and preached the gospel. And when they asked him, have you come to change the political system? 
His response was different. He said, this is what I'm doing. So it's a full package. Our challenge with the church is when we learn one truth, we kick the one truth out. No, no, it's a package. And everybody must know where their positions. We understand what the role of the pulpit is. Like I said a few Sundays ago. From now onwards, this is what I said, it's like we're in the service. I said, from now onwards, I look at this pulpit as me standing here as a general. Right? Talking to the army, equipping the army to go back to battle. That's why that's exactly that. And if you can learn that, Barcelona, and not be out of shape. Men of God, we thank God for the message. We receive it with humility. And we say, God bless you for it. God bless you for it. And seeds of God's word have been planted in our hearts. We have to grapple with these things and make them real. That's why I was saying to our dear brother Maurice Kadar, I said, now I'd like to talk to you some more. Because there are people already in our country who are doing these things already. In many places, in the church, there's many. We just have to get this to be done by as many Christians as possible. I was telling my wife as I close now, and I'm going to close. Uh, I was talking with one pastor. I want to identify who he is. And he was telling me in one particular institution, a major institution in Cape Town, there is a professor there who's leading a very uh, a, a big faculty, or they are the dean, I don't remember what position they are, who said out of their mouth, for as long as I am this such and such here, I will make sure that the Christian voice is not heard. Yeah, yeah, they, said it in, yeah, they said it in public. No, they said it in public. They said, so they understand they're on a mission. They understand they're on a mission. And this is where I don't understand when some of you as Christian people and who, who get opportunity to be in these spaces and then you start start coming up with controversial topics that shine a bad light on Christianity. I've never understood this. I've never understood. Sometimes I listen to people who are on radio who are hosting shows. Then they will come up with a topic that puts Christianity in a bad light. And yet comes alone. And I'm saying you are a stupid. I'm sorry. You are not just stupid. You are stupid. No, you are not a stupid, but you are being stupid. Because I've never seen a Muslim, a Hindu, I've never seen anybody of any other religion putting their religion in the backlight. I've never. You as a Christian, you'll invite me to the show and then bring another someone to come and discuss with me and argue about Christ being the son of God. What's the use of that? And you're a Christian. You're being very foolish. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's because the Christians bows to the Pharaoh who is paying them. There's a radical spirit that we must have, Barcelona, to pursue the kingdom of God and the agenda of the kingdom. We can't, we can't be playing around because in the process we are losing things. Some of you, you are in school governing bodies. Right now, the things that have been pushed in the schools about the, the education they want to test on the children, around issues, agenda, and all kinds of funny things that they are bringing in their feet. And I was asking myself, why some of these people are not challenging this? Why some of these... Uh, Unions, some of you unions, why are you not speaking up when they're trying to feed our children that kind of thing? But I know why. They give brown envelopes to people. They give them money and they get quiet. They're sissies. We shouldn't be sissies, Barcelona. We must stand for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand? Yes, we need to. And we shouldn't compromise. We shouldn't compromise because that is your pulpit. One more time, let's give a big hand to the men of God. Thank you, sir. All right.